It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, a full breakdown and update on all the latest news and notes from Vikings Free Agency, plus a new Vikings first-round mock draft. It's all coming up next on the draft edition of the Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition of the Football Party on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, Tuesday today, I'm taking over. Got to get into our weekly draft edition of the football party. But before the draft, always comes free agency. And the Vikings, they started dipping their toes in the pool yesterday with some interesting moves, to say the least. So let's just start at the top here, Sam. We'll break it all down, discuss kind of the domino effects it's going to have on their draft plans Come this April, the very first edition of the Vikings 2023 free agency process. Sam, it wasn't a big name cornerback they desperately needed. It wasn't a defensive lineman Brian Flores handpicked. No, no. It was what we all should have seen coming, a new tight end two to add to the mix. Of course, why wouldn't it be? Former Ravens tight end Josh Oliver, he signs a three-year deal on paper worth 21 mil. Now, I will say, and I'm sure you saw this too, everyone was confused by this one, not only for a positional standpoint, like a second tight end felt like the last thing they just had the luxury to address, but also the size of the contract felt a little steep at first glance. And just given the current cap mess, Twitter had a lot to say about this one, that's for sure. But after seeing the numbers, I got to say, it really feels more like a two-year deal, comes Mm -hmm. out to pretty fair market value. And more importantly here, Sam, It gives us a glimpse, I think, and just a better idea and understanding of the changes KOC may want to implement into the offensive identity in 2023. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, Let me first just observe how humorous this is that Mike Zimmer gets fired in 2021. They go to this softer zone 3-4 defense, and they go three wide receivers. And now here we are one, one year later, People are begging and they're saying, go more man-to-man. We want man-to-man. We want blitz. And then on offense, they're going back to the two tight ends. We're going back to Mike Zimmer. We may as well bring him back. I mean, uh, honestly, we're just going back to that era. No, I, I heard from KOC very early on after he got hired that he actually thought the Rams were too much an 11 personnel team and he wanted to go heavier. 
we didn't really see it play out that way last year. CJ Ham got about 10 snaps a game. And then because of their personnel, um, Osborne, Thielen, and Jefferson, they were kind of obligated to use those three receivers versus two tight ends, which would have been Irv Smith, Johnny Munt, and then eventually Hawkinson and Johnny Munt. They just had better receivers than tight ends. Right, right. Um, so so Play now your personnel. Maximize your strengths. Yep. yep, which is good. I'm glad they didn't try to try to pigeonhole that. But now that Thielen's gone, um, I think they can actually play heavier, which it seems like that's what O'Connell wants. I think he actually wants to emulate Shanahan mm-hmm. more than McVeigh in that sense. So Josh Oliver, and he's really only had one, one full year. Like his previous two years, Luke, got about 100 snaps, very small sample size. So his one full year as a contributor for Baltimore, very good blocker, extremely good blocker. I'd be surprised if they didn't find a way to include him in the passing game as well. Like they incorporated Johnny Munt a decent amount, you know, until Hawkinson came around. Munt was good for one or two catches a game. I hey, think first that's play what, of the KOC era ever. First dial play. it up, dial, dial it up, up to big, big number 86. I, I think Josh Oliver will be used in, in a similar way. He'll be good for a couple schemed up first down receptions per year, but this tells you the direction that KOC wants to go and that, Quasi is committed to continuing to build up the KOC offense for what KOC wants. Um, and I don't think Josh Oliver's potential is totally uh, like tapped in yet. I think that there's still room for him to get better as a player. And uh, this obviously spells the end of Irv Smith, the end of Johnny Munt. These are the two tight ends going forward. And I, I think that it will show us a little something different now about what KOC can do, presumably with the personnel that he wants. Yeah, crazy transformation, you're right. Runs a 4, 6, 3, 40 at the combine. Third fastest 20-yard shuttle for all tight ends in that class that year. You know he's got the speed. You know he's got the hands drafted in the third round. And now all of a sudden, flash forward a couple years, he's arguably the best blocking tight end in the league. So quite the upgrade, like you said, from Ben Ellison, Johnny Munt rotation we got used to. And then just real quick to echo what you said, I I love that you tapped into that. I think we all assumed KOC was just going to lean into that 11 personnel like he studied under Sean McVay but now it just feels like he and Quasi are really adjusting to the market and getting ahead of the curve and saying you know what why would I go overspend 15 20 mil on three wide receivers when I can take advantage of this tight end market right in front of us for a fraction of the price and build my offense around this 12 personnel packages having two tight ends on the field and the other thing too a lot of people said why would they go do this? What looks like overspending on a tight end to when this is arguably the best tight end draft class we've seen in maybe a decade quoted from Daniel Jeremiah. He said that during combine weekend. And the thing about tight ends, typically unlike maybe a running back or some other positions, tight end is usually a position when you draft a guy, it takes two, three years minimum to develop that guy. And tight ends usually are at their best when they're signing their second and third contract. And that's exactly what the Vikings tapped into here with Josh Oliver. But now again, with two tight ends on the field, I'm just forcing defenses. All right, you got to keep an extra linebacker on the field. And now I can create more mismatches that way with not only Hawkinson and Oliver, who we all know can both block and catch well, just in general, but I've also got this dude named Justin Jefferson that forces Mm -hmm. defenses to kind of pick their poison. Because when I come out with this 12 personnel, You either got to put that extra safety in the box and stop the run that I'm showing and leave one safety now over the top for JJ, or 
Are you going to play that too high, protect the JJ deep ball, and now I can run the ball down your throat for most of the game? So it's just kind of pick your poison there. And I think KOC is really intrigued and enticed about that mismatch. And I just think KOC and Quasey picked up on they need to run the ball more efficiently than they did last year. That was downright atrocious for most of the season outside of a big few long splash runs from Dalvin. But they also recognized an inefficient market when it came to those tight ends who are pretty much pennies on the dollar compared to some big name wideouts that you're yeah. going to see go here in the next few days in free agency. And Oliver lets you do that because he's got that dual threat ability, both as this stud blocker now, but also got this natural pass catching ability. So small piece to the puzzle, tight end two, I get it, but I really like it. Any quick last thoughts just on the ripple effect you think this could have on CJ Ham? I know you mentioned the running game and the emphasis mm -hmm. maybe Shanny because they clearly want to run the ball better here, Sam, and they were terrible at it last season just from an efficiency standpoint. Yeah, the fact that Ham remains on the roster today clues me in that I think he's going to stick around. Maybe so it's too. at a reduced salary. Um, I think the team has a lot of leverage when you negotiate with the fullback. I mean, very few teams even want fullbacks at all so if the vikings say hey let's cut this down a little bit you can stick around and make two million dollars uh maybe that would be fine and ham would, would remain a viking it seems like that's the direction it's going to go he's also such a good special teamer that it's not as if he's limited to those 10 snaps per game uh my concern would be what if they draft a wide receiver and he turns out to be the next stefan Diggs? like what so so then do you make the choice to go back to 13 or back to 11, sorry, mm -hmm. three wide receivers. If you find a talent worthy of being on the field as it stands right now, you don't, you have Osborne, you have Jefferson, and then it's Naylor, it's Rager. I assume that, that they're not done adding to that room, whether it's a low price veteran or, or someone in the draft. So how flexible will KOC be, as you said, playing to his personnel, if indeed they, they end up, stumbling upon a receiver that's worthy of being on the field a lot um, because ultimately receivers create more explosive plays than tight ends and you don't want to limit the number of playmakers you have on the field. So that that's my one question down the road about you know what this means. And uh, ultimately, Luke, I think this is kind of a, you know, a, for sure a one-year commitment to this, this Oliver experiment, probably a year two, but I think they've built a lot of flexibility into this contract. I'd be surprised if, if he plays out all three years, unless it works incredibly well, uh, where maybe he becomes a linchpin in this offense to open things up for Hawkinson and, and Dalvin or whoever your running back is, and of course Jefferson. Yeah, and, and team needs, just to your point, change so much from year to year. That's why you have to hammer home the philosophy in the draft. You take the best player available. You don't draft for need. Don't just go draft a wide receiver, too, because you got rid of Adam Thielen just because you think you need to. By all means, if you think he's going to develop into a T. Higgins type or a Michael Pittman type, then absolutely go for it. You want to maximize this new pass-happy league and all the rule changes? Yes, get that guy in there. But don't just draft a receiver just to draft one. Don't just draft Jordan Addison because you got rid of Thielen and, yeah, well, we still might want to run some 11 personnel here or there and we want to get the next guy in there best player available 
always the best philosophy when it comes to the draft. All right, before we get to the next big move, remember, every day, post a new poll over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page. Go smash that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. So close to hitting 5,000 subscribers now. Huge shout-out to all you guys listening, helping us make that happen. And on Twitter, too, give us a follow. It's at Lockdown. M-I-N. All right, Sam. Second big move came later in the day. That was bringing in former first-round pick Marcus Davenport from the Saints. This was another move, I think, that made some people take a step back and really think about the big picture here with Zedarius Smith. All these rumors swirling now. You start to wonder, what's next for Big Z? Because don't forget, team still needs to clear some big money here later today. Thoughts on the Davenport signing and mm-hmm. the trickle effect it could have, not just with the roster and guys like Sedarius Smith, but how he'll fit in this new Brian Flores defense. It seems transparent to me that Zedarius Smith is being shopped and the Vikings mm-hmm. would like to trade him. I don't think they're taking on three major edge rushing salaries. They can't afford it. Daniil Hunter, probably the one who will stay and get restructured slash extended, I would guess. Zedarius Smith as the older of the two and who's expressed a desire to be released for whatever reason. Um, and maybe the Vikings have told him already. They've said, hey, Zedarius, it's business. We're sorry. We're, you know, we're committing to Daniil. You gave us a great year and uh, we're not going to give you more money um, to stay here. So he says, all right, I want the money elsewhere. So the Vikings are now, I assume, trying to shop him, get something in return, and then Davenport becomes your your right outside linebacker. Um, this feels like the Sheldon Richardson acquisition. Does it not, Luke? Different position, but mm-hmm. on the defensive line, somebody betting on themselves, one-year deal, trying to rebuild their stock and then hit free agency and make big money. That's exactly what happened to Sheldon. He left Minnesota, got a $39 million deal from the Browns, I think it was. Um, and that's what Davenport's trying to do. This is a bridge guy. Don't expect him around here long-term. This is a one-year pact, a mercenary coming in here from New Orleans. They're trying to capture what he did in 2021 because in 2022, while he was effective and getting around the quarterback, had half a sack. Really struggled to close on those sacks, but he still is a first-round talent. Um, And I I think he would have to convert a little bit scheme-wise. I don't think the Saints have been a true... Three, four, but if Daniil can do it, I'm sure Davenport can can make that conversion as well. And they'll probably show multiple looks anyway. So I think it makes sense, Luke. You probably don't get a guy this caliber a lot of times for 13 million, honestly. Like a year, a year prior, he might have signed for 18. Like this is a value deal for one year to replace a good player in Zedarius, almost, you know, apples to apples, I think. The moment the season ends every year, the first thing fans want to know is, all right, what's the game plan for the offseason? And with Quasey, we only had one year under his belt. We didn't really know coming off the 13-4 and season what that was going to look like. But now it's just starting to become so crystal clear, isn't it, between Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, Dalvin Tomlinson, who we'll get to here in a second, Patrick Peterson, there's other big names, maybe now Zadarius Smith. It's just so clear Kwesi is setting up the 2024 and beyond for this new Super Bowl window. He's looking at the division. He's looking around going, lines are young. They're loaded. They got five picks in the first 80 They look like they're set up for the next decade. Bears, they just got a king's ransom, and they got $100 million to play with. They had some fun yesterday in free agency. Mm -hmm. They're going to be set up for a while with a young quarterback in Justin Fields. Packers may move to Jordan Love and start a new era there. It's not about this year. 
it's about 2024 and beyond. And now between Oliver and Davenport, you just got two young guys, both 27 and under, so both right now in their prime. Neither have put up the production, but you can't argue with the upside and the athleticism that they both bring. And then with their injury history, too, it's just clear. Vikings are betting on that training staff that had pretty good luck last year, top to bottom, all things considering. And if not, if it doesn't work out or one of them gets hurt, no harm, no foul. They're not tied to anything long term. As you mentioned, they can cut ties and just try again next offseason. As far as Davenport goes, just on the field, I remember talking to him down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, 2018, coming out of UTSA, small school label he's trying to shake. Teammates with David Morgan, you remember him. A lot of Vikings fans favorite tight end there from yeah. the road runners the road and, runners yes yes and, yeah and you could just see the size and length on this guy so it was no surprise to me he ended up going in the first round and actually when you compare him to a guy like Rashawn Gary saw a tweet earlier that compared the two side by side just from an athletic and production standpoint Honestly, said both pretty much the same guy right now. Similar size and length. Both ran the same exact 40 and 20-yard split. And as much as people talk about Gary and how talented he is, Davenport right now has more quarterback hits, more tackles for a loss, and only one less sack on his resume than Gary does in his five-year career. So the other thing that always intrigued me about him, and, and I think is kind of interesting bringing him into this new defense, he was always known as this traditional hand-in-the-dirt 4-3 DN coming out. But they did use him, for the roadrunners that is, all over in college. Inside, outside, mm -hmm. standing up, hand in the dirt. And that just screams Brian Flores to me. And I just can't wait to see how he taps into that versatility a little bit next year with that Bill Belichick thing going on. Who's coming? Who's going at the line of scrimmage? Now the big question is here, is the writing on the wall for Zedarius? We kind of touched on that. Because the difference between... Davenport being your third pass rusher behind Z and Daniil versus now you're relying on him to be your number two guy and keeping both him and Hunter healthy for an entire year. That just feels like a little risky business. But as you mentioned here, I think we're going to find out here something soon, a lot sooner than later anyways, possibly even in these next 24 hours. Seems like you are leaning towards the writings on the wall. It's a done deal. Zadarius on the chopping block. They got to clear that money. And I think we kind of could tell that from the previous days leading up to this as well. I think you're selling high on, on Zadarius. Like I think that that's actually good business. If you get a top 10 pass rushing season from a guy who's, who's aging like Zadarius is, has dealt with injuries. Um, he seems like he wants to cash in on that season at, at a late date in his career. He knows he won't have any more chances to sign a big contract. So he sees this as an opportunity to get one last big payday. He doesn't have much guaranteed money in Minnesota. If the Vikings can get something meaningful for him, it might benefit both sides, honestly. Um, Davenport has been a model of consistency in New Orleans. He's had five really strong years, has missed some games on occasion. Um, it, it looks like from his snap counts, Luke, He's not the kind of workhorse that maybe maybe we've seen in the past. He does struggle tackling a little bit, and I think they, they might take him off the field on first downs sometimes. He's more of a pure pass rusher. I think Vikings fans are going to enjoy him, honestly. like, like I think it's going to be a brief stint in Minnesota, but I think he could absolutely deliver close to the Zedarius level of production if he stays on the field. And again, you, like you said, the training staff, We'll have to keep him healthy. Vikings will make sure he stays off his feet during the week. 
Um, this this could be a really good thing for for the Vikings. And and I know that people got attached to Zedarius, but if he yields you a third round pick or better, um, that that's a pretty good trade up for Minnesota. Yeah, well said. As mentioned, too, just excited to see him in these exotic Brian Flores 3-4 defensive looks. All right, moving on. So, Kwesi brought in two new players yesterday, but how about all the guys he lost here yesterday, Sam? Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, we all knew about that. But yesterday, the hope for keeping Dalvin Tomlinson around, that went up in smoke. He signed this monster contract, ends up in Cleveland, of all places, four years $57 million deal with over 27 mil guaranteed. Can't sugarcoat it. That one definitely stings a little bit. And now it really feels like we've got a massive hole on the defensive line to fix. But at the same exact time here, the guy's 29 years old, which means he probably didn't fit this new 3-4 window Quasi's building. And there was just zero chance, really, at the end of the day, they could pay him that type of money. Thoughts on Tomlinson to Cleveland and how they'll go about maybe filling his shoes moving forward. Yeah, we talked on this show about Tomlinson legitimately probably setting a new defensive tackle market. I don't know if that ended up being number one. I can, you can check on that, but that's 14.25 per year. That's that's a ton. I mean, good for him. He earned it, um, and we knew it was going to cost a pretty penny. Like on the open market, if they didn't get something done internally with Tomlinson before the deadline, he was going to go elsewhere um, because there was just there's too much money floating around, too many teams wanting his services. It was always going to be tough to retain him. It does seem like the Vikings kind of chose, okay, instead of ponying up for the defensive tackle, we're going to make sure that we can pay our defensive end because mm-hmm. they chose to pay Davenport 13, which is not far off of 14. Um, and I think that's correct. I think that edge rushing is a little more important than interior play. I think the Vikings have a lot of, of uh, questions to answer now on the interior. Harrison Phillips back for another year. And then it's Tonga. It's Otomewo. You've got some unproven commodities with upside. that You're going to have to coach up. So this is where you have faith in your coaching staff to develop guys. And maybe Kwesi has some more tricks up his sleeve to find diamonds in the rough like a Tonga. Um, I, I, I like to withhold judgment until kind of the end of the process, because there's so much left in the process that right now we only have a very small picture. And I don't think that Kwesi has done whatsoever supplementing this defensive roster. No, you're right. James Lynch, Ross Blacklock, maybe Jonathan Bullard comes back. And no disrespect to those guys. Obviously, they're going to make some moves at some point in this process, whether it's free agency or the draft. But I felt like they needed another defensive lineman early in the draft even if they did bring Tomlinson back, mm-hmm. now that vacancy leaves just a massive hole for me, just from that GM lens perspective. It's got to be a big priority, almost as much as cornerback, if not more, which is really wild to say, just knowing the pressing need at cornerback. Speaking of cornerback, Patrick Peterson, another veteran many were hoping would return. He signs a two-year, $14 million deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers, $6 million guarantees. Sam, He said he really wanted to come back, but sounds like they just could not come to an agreement at the end of the day. And really now between Thielen, Kendricks, Tomlinson, Pappy, and the additions of two young players in Oliver and Davenport, I'll probably say this a hundred times from now until draft weekend. The message is loud and clear here. Kwesi isn't afraid for this thing to be a bloodbath. He's wiping out the aging veterans, and it's just obvious now he's building this new Super Bowl window, and that starts in 2024. 
Yeah, and let's just remember, too, that this was a bottom two or three defense in the league. So any player that you lose, even if you like that player, you like their production, they were part of a group that was one of the worst in football. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson and Patrick Peterson might have been their best two defensive players last year. And you don't know how you're going to replace them. So while there are questions to answer, it's not like you're really operating from a position of strength. You're changing it up. You're changing your coordinator, changing your scheme, or tweaking your scheme at least, and you're bringing in young talent. And if this is the bridge year, if this is the year that they have to take their lumps with a Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth as at cornerback and just kind of develop them for 2024, so be it. It's hard to be lower ranked than they were last year as a defense. That's just the, the reality of it. I think we said on the show, we said for Peterson, he's probably going to want multi-year. That's dicey. He's probably going to want more than he made last year. And he got it. You know, that's dicey. Like this is the exact kind of contract I thought he would get. And I didn't really want any part of that because you don't want to have a guy once he goes off the cliff. And you also need to be cautious of the scheme change because Patrick Peterson's the one guy that really thrived in the zone. He didn't have to catch up to faster receivers as much in the Flores scheme. I think he would have to. I think this was a good parting of ways seems like it was amicable no hard feelings uh he was a wonderful culture guy locker room guy but maybe i'm just team quasi but i think that he's i think that he was correct in turning towards some of the youth that they need to develop and and you know going a different direction so best all the best to patrick peterson he was wonderful to work with um and i think that it was uh, the right time to go all right, Zadarius on the chopping block, Tomlinson and Pat P gone, Kendricks and Thielen, they're in the dust. Now the first guy I think of, Harrison Smith and what that means for him. And as much as I love Harry, one of my all-time favorite Vikings players ever. Harrison Smith, you say? Yeah, Harry. Harrison Smith, you say? Well, I mean, we've got the <laughs> word from Harrison Smith. Chris Thomason texted him, and he sent back a photo of Prince in Chains. I mean, what Maybe more do you the need greatest... to know? tweet reply I've ever seen in my life. So break that down again one more time. So Chris Thomason, Pioneer Press reporter, texts Harrison Smith last night, hey, any word about what's going on with your contract? And the only thing Harrison Smith texts Chris back is this picture of Prince. Of Prince in a hat, in sunglasses, like hanging from his his shirt collar and a Kirko chain. And it's this is like Da Vinci Code stuff. Like I think we're all we're all looking at Prince's expression. Is he grinning? Is he smiling? What's the hidden message here that Harrison Smith is trying to send through this Prince photo? I I want to know the origin of the photo. I want to know where Harrison found it. I want to know what the connection is to to Minnesota. This is there are so many levels to this. We need to have our our best scientists and art experts looking at this picture. This is big stuff, Luke. Uh, I tweeted right after I saw this. I said, what's better than the purple Vikings ring of honor? Because that's where Harrison Smith needs to go. And and when he goes into the Hall of Fame instead of his picture, I think they should just use this Prince picture. That was absolutely iconic, legendary stuff from Harrison Smith. Really encapsulates the person he is on and off the field. Check out those eyes, man, Prince. And you know Chris Thomason's just freaking out 
trying to figure this out, trying to crack the code, as you mentioned, Da Vinci Code style. Um, absolutely hilarious. Twitter was rolling last night after Chris posted this. And uh, again, you know, just kind of circling it back here, unless he takes a massive pay cut or is willing to, I think Quasi's got no problem pulling the cord and hitting the reset button. And maybe he planned this all along when he drafted Lewis Seen. We always heard about Rick Spielman. He's two, three years out in the process. He's thinking two, three years ahead. So is Quasi. You think Quasi wasn't doing that the moment he stepped foot at TCO? Maybe he planned for this all along when he drafted Lewis Seen with his very first pick as Vikings GM. And who knows? We're going to find out here within the next 24 hours or so what's going on with Harrison Smith. But no one's safe anymore. That's the point. Harry Zadarius. Dalvin Cook even, Quasey, he's cold, he's calculated now, and you're seeing the big difference here, Sam, between him and former GM Rick Spielman, who always had a hard time, it felt like, letting go of some of these guys near the end of their careers. Other news and notes, Vikings re-signed backup quarterback Nick Mullins this morning, according to Field Yates. Guard Chris Reed, he restructured his deal, saves the team almost $2 million in cap space, along with Jordan Hicks, who likely saves the team at least a couple million as well, I would assume. Don't have the numbers on that one quite yet. Longtime Vikings favorite Eric Kendricks, he heads back home to the West Coast. He inks a two-year $14 million deal with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, it's a new era here in Minnesota, Sam. But you know what? Props mm -hmm. to Quasey for not falling into that trap of the 13-4 and mirage we all went through last season. 11-0 and in one-score games. Literally unheard of. I want to say almost unheard of. No, literally unheard of. Never happened before. We all knew it wasn't sustainable. And Quasey knew he had to strip this thing down, man, to the studs and build a new window for the future if he wants to compete with the things the Lions, the Bears, and even the Packers are doing right now inside this NFC North division. Because the Lions and Bears, man, watch out. They're young. They're hungry. They've got a king's ransom and ammo between all the draft picks coming up over the next few years, all the salary cap they get to spend. Quasi, I think, played this right. As hard as it is to say goodbye to some of these longtime Viking superstars, uh, do you think the Eric Kendricks deal, just real quick here, and then we'll move on, mm -hmm. more yeah. or less than what you expected? Because it's interesting now to see something. Dalvin Tomlinson, yeah. I don't want to say he got more than I expected, but that's a healthy contract for Dalvin Tomlinson. Good for him. No way the Vikings could have kept that. Do you think now seeing this two-year, $14 million deal, seven years per, the Vikings maybe should have thought about keeping a guy like Eric Hendricks for seven mil per year? Yeah, same as Peterson, actually. Two for yeah. 14. No, you're right. Perfect. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that, Whatever the Vikings offered as a restructure number, I think it was probably lower than that. I mean, I, I think that they they probably wanted to get rid of either Hicks or Kendricks and then pay the other one like five million or less. And that's what ended up happening. You know, they I'm sure they offered Kendricks probably half of what he was gonna make, which was about ten or eleven. Um, he probably said no, and then they restructured Hicks, and now they've got one guy next to Brian Asamoah, and those are the linebackers for next year. Um, Eric Hendricks did have obviously a connection to the chargers too. gets to go back to California. Um, I think his wife is having a baby. Maybe they get to be closer to family now as, as he's going to become a dad. So all of that is, uh, uh, great for him. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the case of Peterson and Kendricks, maybe this is their final team, right? Like maybe mm -hmm. this is where their careers come to an end and they can have their swan song there. Let, let me just say as an overarching point on Quasi, I think this is going to be a regime 
where Vikings fans might not get attached to players in the same way because Quazy is all about flexibility, um, you know, analytics, upside, positional value. There aren't going to be safeties or linebackers that spend 10 years with the franchise anymore with this regime. I think Quazy is going to try to build winners, but it might not be filled with familiar faces like under the Rick Spielman era that people got attached to for years and years. I think, and I think as long as you're winning, that's okay. The Patriots never got attached to players. They had a foundational quarterback, generational quarterback, and then they just filled in the cracks around him. And I think that the way Quasi is going to operate is short contracts, like Harrison or Harrison Phillips length contracts, Josh Oliver length contracts, savvy one year deals for Marcus Davenport's two year deals for Jordan Hicks. Like you can already tell this is how he rolls. Keep, keep things flexible. Don't overcommit to veterans. And uh, it's just a new modus operandi for the Vikings GM. And I think too, just echoing that a lot of Vikings fans know and understand. They see the blueprint in the NFL. They see the winners the last decade or two and following those same philosophies. It's a copycat league. They understand Quasi is doing the right things here or so it feels like, but it's just that cold splash of water on your face to wake up in the morning. It is hard this first time or two to see guys like Thielen, possibly Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, longtime Vikings favorites here in the state of Minnesota for so long, just go so quickly and abruptly like they have been. So Quasi certainly setting a new foundation and path for the future, not just for this year, but 2024 and beyond. And I think we all knew that was the plan when they didn't extend Kirk Cousins, which still could be done. But the fact they haven't now and the things that were said at the presser when they were both at the combine, both Quasi and KOC, I think the writing's on the wall, read between the lines a little bit. They are setting this thing up for the future because they have to to compete with the rest of the NFC North. All right, coming up. We're going through a brand new Vikings first-round mock draft now that we have the latest additions and departures from yesterday. But first, don't forget we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. T-Wolves take care of business last night versus the Hawks, 136-115. They play the Celtics tomorrow night in the backyard at the Target Center. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash locked on. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to close out the NBA season's final stretch. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of Locked On. All right, Sammy, you know I love me a good mock draft on a cold Tuesday morning. Pull that PFF mock draft simulator up because now we need to look at how things could shake out given the new pressing needs for the Vikings after letting Adam Thielen walk. Eric Kendrick goes, Pat P and Dalvin Tomlinson yesterday. Given the moves, let's see how the board shakes out here today and narrow in on our just best options at cornerback, D-line, linebacker, and wide receiver just to give the folks listening at home an idea of what things could look like come draft night, April 27th. So let's pull this bad boy up. Sounds All right. good. Ooh, I'm going to start First time draft. I've seen the Panthers with that number one overall pick. Very Look interesting. Look at that. Okay. All right, Sammy. Hit that button. Bow. All go. right. Okay. So we've got the five before the Vikings. 
Dalton Kincaid, tight end of the Lions. Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Bucks. Brian Brissy to the Seahawks. Jordan Addison to the Chargers. My guy Deontay Banks to the Ravens. And that puts the Vikings on the clock at 23. Trying to get in the minds and heads of KOC, Quasey, and Brian Flores. Obviously, they need a cornerback. They need defensive line. Probably help at linebacker, but they also need a receiver as well. It just seems like with Brian Flores' history, cornerback seems like something that maybe he likes to wait on a little bit, judging that he used two early picks in three years in Miami on defensive linemen in right. Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins in Miami. And there was one more, there was one more too that that we're forgetting, but um he I think he had one high every year. Yeah, so yeah. he leans more, let's build in the trench. It's a lot like Bill Belichick, his predecessor coming from that Belichick tree did, finds the cornerbacks to develop later on. Receiver's interesting because we just sat here at the beginning of the show talking about Josh Oliver, C.J. Ham, the new pressing need to get back to running the ball efficiently for KOC. A lot of 12 personnel, less 11 personnel. You mentioned KOC, even mentioned Sean McVay and the Rams. They ran too much 11 personnel. So maybe he doesn't feel like he needs to draft a receiver in the first round. I'm always defensive first kind of guy. I love Kalijah Kansi who's sitting here. Nolan Smith, after that combine he just put up an indie, he could mm -hmm. be a top 10 pick. That's how good of a combine he had. That's how good his tape was at Georgia when healthy. Five-star recruit coming out. Those two jump out at me right at the top, and they seem to be best available. But give me your thoughts on just these new four pressing needs here after free agency, or I should say the tampering period unfolded the way it did yesterday for the Vikings. Yeah, so defensive line-wise, they – are likely getting rid of Zedarius and they brought in a bridge. So it would make a lot of sense to have the Marcus Davenport successor in the building. Um, if it's Nolan Smith, then he gets to rotate in. Like we said, Davenport does rotate. Maybe Smith plays occasionally in a smaller role and then gets ready to take over for Marcus Davenport the next year. And then you have a succession plan. I think it's safe to say the Vikings don't have that in the building right now. DJ Wanham contract year. Patrick Jones is just a piece. I don't think they have that guy. So bringing in someone to backfill um, after Marcus Davenport leaves for greener pastures, I think would be smart. And I've always kind of liked going defensive line um, with this pick. So the question, so do you go true edge? Do you go Nolan Smith who, who literally plays Marcus Davenport's position and then can't see, who I think in this scenario, Luke, he's he's kind of fallen in our lap. Like a lot of mocks, he's gone by pick 23. Here he's available. That's more of an interior guy, and he would replace Tomlinson maybe right away. Um, so I don't think you can go wrong with either of those picks. Um, the way the board looks right now, and again, wide receiver is a little bit less attractive now that you know what path they're taking with tight ends, right? Definitely, like that that right? does that mm -hmm. does dampen my enthusiasm about going and getting one. Uh, I'm not as high on Zay Flowers as I am, say, you know, Jordan Addison or Smith and Jigba. So I would lean toward the defensive lineman in this scenario for sure. You know, the biggest need for me is interior defensive line or just defensive linemen. Again, we don't know this hybrid 3-4, 4-3, probably base is a 3-4 for sure. So Nolan Smith's going to be standing up. Davenport could be doing a little bit of both. Z is going to be all over the place. Kalijah Kansi is a guy who's going to have his hand in the dirt 
nine out of 10 plays for sure. I think that's the bigger need with no Dalvin Tomlinson and really no true third defensive lineman on the roster as is. Nolan Smith, I think, is more of a luxury pick just given you do have Hunter Z. Let's let's say Z's gone. You still have Hunter, Davenport, and Patrick Jones and Wanham are good depth for this year. But what did we just say at the beginning of the show? Don't draft for need because those change too much year to year. Draft the best player available. So I'm giving the pick up to you here, Sam. It's literally a coin flip for me. You know I've been on Cancy train for the last two months. Nolan Smith, if you tell me he goes top 10, I'm not going to be shocked at all. Falcons at number eight, pencil it in right now. I don't think you could go wrong either way. Both fill a huge need. So who do you think is just the best player available right now? I, I think it's Cance, tough. This is I a think Cansey might be slightly better, but I also would prefer to have edge than interior. So I don't know. Like, is can't can you guarantee me that Cansey is Aaron Donald? Because then I want Cansey. Right. But if not, then if it's more of a crapshoot, <laughs> then I might take Nolan Smith. I'm torn. I give I I give it back to you. Toss All it right. back. Boomerang. You know, we've taken Cansey so many times in these mocks. Let's switch it up. Let's go Nolan Smith. I'm going to tell you right now, this may be the only time we have the opportunity to take him because he may be long gone by the time the Vikings are on the clock at pick 23. Let's go Nolan Smith here today. So often on the fence in these situations about going wide receiver. Seemed like that was a sweet spot right there. Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs. There's tons of them. Seemed like a sweet spot, a perfect spot to start the run on wide receivers there. Now I'm starting to lean away from that, just knowing after the Josh Oliver signing that they're going to be a lot more ground and pound and a lot more two wide receiver sets than what we saw last year with three wide receiver sets. Any final takes on that and just the way the board kind of shook out there? Uh, Check out who that wide receiver one is, Luke Quinton Johnston. That's your guy. That's Mm. who you've been touting all this time. Mm. Would love Uh, to see that. Yep, very nice. Uh, And also, in this scenario... The these cornerbacks, man, like it are they is there gonna be a run on them right before the Vikings pick? Because I think we've this has happened a few times in a row now where Porter is gone within six picks before Deontay Banks is now going off the board earlier. Is it getting unlikelier that the Vikings have a good cornerback prospect to take? Because it looks like in this scenario, you know, the next options were Keely Ringo and Cam Smith. And I don't know if they necessarily are are pick twenty three caliber. What 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 what's your take on sort of the 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 tiers? Well, cornerback. First of all, just say this. I kind of mentioned it maybe a month, month and a half ago. I got really worried when you look at the draft order. Philly at ten, Tennessee at eleven, Houston at twelve, New England, Green Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh, Detroit. Tampa Bay, Seattle, even the Chargers in Baltimore, they all could easily justify going cornerback in round one. So again, you got to stay true to your board. Do not just reach on a position just because you need one. It's still a deep, loaded cornerback draft class. But if the board were to fall the way it did here today, here, Sam, Cam Smith and Keely Ringo are just not guys that get me excited. That I sit here and I go to bed after night one of draft and I say, all right, that's the guy 
that's going to turn this franchise around. That's a guy that's going to be a cornerstone in this defense for the next decade. They just don't do that for me. Still early in the draft process. Still got to do a little bit more digging on those guys. But it's a loaded class. I would rather go defensive line or just, again, at the end of the day, stay true to your board. I do expect, though, a quarterback run as the Vikings are waiting to go on the clock. I just see about 10 teams, two handfuls of teams that could all go cornerback. And it worries me that they will feel the need to end up just reaching on the next best guy. And if that is a Cam Smith or a Keeley Ringo, I'm not going to lie, I'll be a little disappointed if guys like Kalijah Kansi, uh, Nolan Smith, even Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison are still on the board. And and just some quick background on Cam Smith. If this Dalvin Cook negotiation goes south and they part ways, Cam Smith has the same agent, Zach Hiller, and I'm not sure the Vikings would want to maybe re-engage mm. with, with a player in that agency, too. I think there are some politics within that. Yeah. So just keep that in mind with Cam Smith that and there might be some, uh, some, some hard feelings if this Dalvin Cook thing doesn't go the, the way that Dalvin Cook wants it to. Very interesting. Good little insider info there. Good little tidbit. But there you have it, man. Another just good kind of rundown example of how the board may fall on draft night and which options the Vikings could have when they're on the clock at pick 23. Of course, free agency going to have a huge domino effect into all this as well. But what are you looking forward to most here today as this legal tampering period continues here, Sam? Yeah, boy. I mean, the Vikings still have a ways to go to get cap compliant. So, and and take this number with a grain of salt because, you know, Track is probably not privy to every single contract detail, but they still have the Vikings in the worst position in the league, 9.4 million under. Um, I think that probably gets erased with one move. If they do the Zedarius move, that would get them inside of the cap. And, but again, let, let's see if they've accounted for the, uh, yeah, see, this doesn't account for the Davenport money. This accounts for Josh Oliver, but not Davenport. So okay. they might need to make two moves, Luke. I mean, we might be two moves away for the Vikings to get cap compliant, and that would mean Cook and Zedarius, Cook and Har- or, um, Zedarius and Harrison Smith. So I think I'm, I'm more watching for who is departing than who is coming at this point, just because I know the Vikings need to be legal uh, with the salary cap. Yeah, Brian O'Neill restructure sounds good right about now. Uh, but first and foremost, yeah, what happens with Harry? He's always been a longtime favorite for a lot of people here. He could be on the way out. Second, does the signing of Davenport mean Zadarius is on the way out? Third, Dalvin Cook, does he stay or does he get traded? That's going to be a huge ripple effect into not only their offseason plans, their cap space, but the draft process itself. Duke Shelley's still sitting out there. What's Ooh. going on with him? A lot of discussions to be had. Very fluid situations taking place. Rest assured, we'll follow along with all the action later on today and give you the latest update, news, and notes all month long as free agency continues. Sammy, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of The Football Party, your one-stop shop of endless Vikings talk. We're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the football party, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the mailbag edition of the football party. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman, signing out. 
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.